This is the 12 Songs of Christmas. I'm Alex Rawls, and this is my podcast about Christmas music. I'm home for the foreseeable future, back at my desk, and able to record as usual. I'm a Christmas music guy. By now, you know that. And one of my instincts is to try to share the music with others to help them hear what I hear. Earlier this season, I talked to Brad Ross McLeod, who works a similar mission through his MP3 blog, falalalala.com. Today, I have another Christmas music fan on the show, Bill Adler. Before we talked, I only knew Bill Adler by name, from Def Jam Records, where he was the director of publicity during the hip-hop label's heyday from 1984 to 1990. Since then, he's documented the history of hip-hop as a writer, teacher, and curator. But he's had a sideline, a love of Christmas music. And he has shared that for years with an annual Christmas mix cassette, then CD, and probably now, if he's like me, MP3s, that he passed around to friends in the music industry. Although Bill made his name in hip-hop, his Christmas tastes are much broader than that, as we'll talk about today. Today we're talking about sharing Christmas music and Christmas mixes. And if you'd like a special listeners only 12 songs Christmas mix, write me at alex at myspiltmilk.com and I'll send one your way. It's that easy because I'd like to share the Christmas music I love with you. It's the impulse that started this show and it's the one that motivates a number of the people I talk to this holiday season, starting now with Bill Adler. Is, is there a tension or is there a challenge in trying to figure out how to make, make hip-hop and Christmas work together? I don't think there's any special challenge. You know, Christmas is uh, universal, at least in the Western Hemisphere. And, um, you know, people of all musical idioms uh, have written Christmas songs. And, uh, you know... It, it's, uh, you know, telling in retrospect that one of the very first um, uh, rap songs on record was a Christmas record, you know, not not terribly surprising. And uh, actually, it was so early in the, the history of rap on record that, you know, you know, most most um, hit Christmas records. uh you know, uh, emerge in a given year. And then if they, they have any impact, you'll hear them year after year at Christmas time. But Curtis Blow's Christmas rapping uh, was, it was, it was so new and it was so compelling. And there were so few other rap records at the time that that record played into like April of next year of the, <laughs> of the following year, because it was, you know, not just a Christmas record, but a rap record, and it was well-made, and, you know, folks couldn't get enough of it. Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the Hold house. it now, wait, hold it, that's played out. Hit it! Don't you give me all that jive about things you wrote before I was alive. Cause this ain't 1823, ain't even 1970. Now I'm the guy named Curtis Blow, and Christmas is one thing I know. So every year, just about this time, I celebrate it with a rhyme. So tell me about your connection to Christmas and Hollis. I I worked at um, 
Def Jam Recordings and, and Rush Artist Management. Um, there's two companies under the same roof. Uh, between June of 1984 and, uh, I don't know, February or March of, of 1990. So what that meant was that I was the publicist, you know, and I, I was the publicist there and I was run DMC's pub, uh, publicist all during that time. And, you know, uh, you know, in, in the spring of 87, uh, I wrote a book about run DMC and, and we were close. Uh, and that year, in 87, we heard from the folks at the Special Olympics, and they were putting together a compilation of uh, Christmas songs that was going to be a benefit record for the Special Olympics. And they came to, to our office, and that was a call that ended up in my lap because presumably, you know, it was it, there was no money involved. It was a charity. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, normally... Uh, you know, I, I would have just helped facilitate, um, you know, I just would have paved the way. Do you need to get, you know, does Run DMC need to be in the studio? Okay, well, we'll, we'll you know, I'll help you make that happen. But um, by that time, I'd already started to put together my own annual Christmas compilations. I started doing it every year. I've done it every year since 1984. So uh, when I heard that this was a thing for, you know, that, that Run DMC had this opportunity, I... Um, I got excited and I had an idea right away of a song for them. I didn't write the lyrics, but I had a concept and um, I called it Christmas and Hollis. And I told Run and Dee about it separately. And both of them loved it. And both of them wrote uh, lyrics to that track. And then I, well, there was no track. Both of them wrote lyrics. And then I met them in the studio uh, and it's it's a studio it's a studio downtown in New York where they cut all their, their you know their, their first three albums, and um, uh, I brought a, a crate of records, a crate of Christmas records, and Run and D uh, fucked off, and it was just me and Jason, and um, I pulled out an album. This might have been the very first album I pulled out of the box was a an Atlantic Records uh, various artist Christmas album, and. Um, he put the needle down on Clarence Carter's backdoor Santa. And he, you know, his expression didn't even change. But this time, when he picked up the needle, he put it back down at the beginning of the record. And he played it again. And when he did it for a third time, Run and D came in from the other room. You know, they'd been they'd been smoking a joint in the other room. They heard that and they 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 floated into the room. And they all understood that that would be, you know, the the bed for this track Christmas and Hollis. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was gratifying to work with them on that. It was December 24th on Hollis Avenue, the dark, when I seen a man chilling with his dog in the park. I approached him very slowly with my heart full of fear, looked at his dog, oh my God, a ill Was that the way they tended to work? That Jay would, that that was kind of like a signal they all recognized that if Jay is going to listen to something two, three, four times, he's in and it's time for them to connect? 
you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, so sure, you know, I, I didn't spend, you know, very much time with them in the studio and typically, you know, um, you know, they, they, they made their first two albums, you know, co they were co-produced by Russell and Larry Smith. And then the third album and uh, was, was uh, produced by Rick Rubin uh, along with the guys themselves. But Jason was a DJ and a crate digger. And for that matter, so was Run. I mean, let's not forget that he started out as DJ Run before he started rapping. He was Curtis Blow's DJ. And so, um, you know, and Jay, I think, also got uh, co-producer credits right along. You know, uh, he was, you know, uh, in the studio. Uh, if Rick was in the house, it was going to be Jason sitting right next to him. And so, um, you know, in this case, Run and D deferred to Jay, and then they endorsed his selection. <laughs> That's great. What made you What made you want to start sharing Christmas music with other people? Well, I'm a music lover, and uh, I, I have been my whole life. And I'd never paid very much attention to Christmas music per se, but then in 1981. Uh, you know, I'm a Jewish guy and I married uh, a Gentile woman. And um, so all of a sudden uh, I was celebrating Christmas for the first time. And, uh, you know, I love my wife's family and I love spending time with them at Christmas. I loved every single part of it, except for the soundtrack that they, uh, you know, immersed themselves in at that time of year. And so I started to create uh, my little Christmas Jollies compilation as a soundtrack to help me get through the holiday. <laughs> and do you remember any of the song, any of the tracks that were on that first compilation? You know, I I've got copies of it, you know, somewhere, um, you know, uh, probably Curtis blows Christmas rapping is on it. You know, James Brown might be on it. Um, you know, there's never really any problem. You know, my, my ideal is to put together, you know, 50 or 55 minutes worth of a, a program. And the problem is never to find enough to fill it out. The problem is to find enough good stuff. But, you know, there are mountains of Christmas records that have been released, you know, since records, you know, audio recordings started being made. And so, you know, that's the, the task for me is just to, you know, paw through these mountains of bullshit and, and find, you know, as I said, 55 minutes worth of Christmas music that I love. I tell you, the reason I, I asked about the first, it, it, what you remember is because my story is probably a little similar in the fact that I came to Christmas music later. I remember loving Christmas music as a kid and then kind of as a teenager that Christmas music was very much kind of my parents' music. And it was the music, it was the music rock and roll and the music I liked. It was the music punk rock was there, you know, and to, to, to fight. And that whole sort of celebrity culture that Christmas music seemed to embody was all, was all you know, what, everything I liked was against that. And it wasn't okay. until... Actually, I can remember it was the Z uh, Records Christmas album uh, with with um, suicide Waitressing. and waitresses. 
that uh, August Darnell, that was the first time I heard Christmas music that was made for me, and it wasn't trying to sell me nostalgia, and it wasn't talking to children, and I felt like I hear Christmas music that's there for me. And then in the 90s, one day in a used record store in the middle of summer, I found like nine Christmas albums that were all about $3 each. And I like, this seems like this should be entertaining and nutty and there should be something in here. And that became the beginning of my obsession with Christmas and my, my collection. And, and I, that year made a cassette from it. And I remember, so this is why I asked ask what you remember. Cause I do remember that in there was, um, a monk Christmas song, a merrier Christmas performed by Diane Reeves from a Blue Note Christmas compilation. Uh, great, just so you know, there are great instrumental versions of that, too. Absolutely, I, yes. Um, and I knew, and uh, there was Aaron Neville's uh, Christmas album was in there. The Tony, 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 uh, Tony, Tony, Tony Christmas song. With, uh, and the one that disappointed me was uh, a Kathy Lee Gifford Christmas album, which... I had hoped would be campier than it was, but it was just kind of a sort of dinner theater and it wasn't bad enough to be entertainingly bad, but it wasn't good enough to be actually good. I understand. Well, listen, I'll tell you this, you know, I, uh, I think I'm probably a little older than you. And so uh, there were a couple things that happened. Number one, you know, when I started listening to the radio obsessively, it was a kind of, it's still kind of a transitional period. So, you know, Sinatra and Tony Bennett still were, were making pop hits amongst all the rock and roll. And, and, you know, likewise, you know, my parents were part of that generation. So that was their record collection. So I was never, you know, uh, anti that stuff. But, you know, by the time I, by the time 84 rolls around and I start to think about Christmas music, you know, to share, you know, I'm, I'm done with Bing Crosby, you know, um, if only because I'd heard it so many times. I'm not anti-Bing. I'm just, you know, uh, anti something that's been done to death. So, um, you know, anyway, I've got, uh, you know, along those lines, I've got, you know, a track by Eartha Kitt on this year's, uh, you know, my compilation this year, you know, cut in 1954. And, um you know, and as far as I'm concerned, it fits with everything else. Did did she make a second Christmas song after Santa Baby? Yes, it's a follow-up. Ah. It's, it's called This Year's Santa Baby. Excellent. Oh, that makes me so happy that that's the title. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just did a recent episode where I talked to uh, two, uh, two women uh, singers and a, and a journalist about Santa Baby and it's a pretty entertaining conversation, and so I'm really happy to get time to to chew on that and and just sort of how completely her version reigns over all the others. That it absolutely it, it almost couldn't be covered. It has been covered, but it, it's one of those where all covers really do seem superfluous. Didn't didn't Madonna cover it? Yes, which which we sort of agreed was one of the worst versions. She actually was the one who rejuvenated it, uh, okay. that it had not been covered until Madonna did it. So it went from 53 until 87. And that was also a track that was on one of the very special Christmas uh, compilations. 
And, okay. Um, well, along those lines, let me say this also about you know the Run DMC track. I think maybe every other track on the album was a cover. The only original was Run DMC's. Right. So, yeah, it's you know it's interesting that uh, and it's one of the tracks that still looms largest when you talk about hip hop Christmas songs. That's almost everybody's first. Uh, you know, trying to think of what else what else there is usually takes a little bit of thinking. I mean, it's partly generational because other other one that people will go to quickly is Outkast's Players Ball. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, though it do, though it, it though it doesn't sound particularly Christmassy, and it has a pretty sort of. Uh, sort of a ambivalent relationship to Christmas. Nonetheless, if you are someone who loves hip hop, loves outcast, that's that's the first place you go. It's beginning to look a lot like wood. Follow my every step. Take notes on how I crept. I'm about to go in depth. This is the way I greet my season. Here's my get to rep. I can, to say the least, no, no, it can't cease. So I begin to piece my two and two together. Got no snowy weather. Have to find something to do better. Bet I set some traps, so shut up that. Nonsense about some solid night. I got sick, crock. If it ain't real, ain't right. I'm like, no matter what the season, forever chill with Smith. I sit my fifth. I chill with West and got my reason. So tell me, what did you expect? You thought I'd break my neck. To help y'all deck the halls. Oh no, I got other means of celebrating. I'm getting blizzard at Hojo. I got the hoochie waiting. I made it through another year. Can't act for nothing much more. It's outcast for the books. I thought you were. Was there a point? When do you remember the point when you like when it started to take on its own life? When you started to recognize, like, oh man, I just found this. This is awesome. And that the the sort of the business of or the activity of collecting Christmas music, finding Christmas music kind of took on its own energy and it's in a life of its own. Yeah. Almost, almost immediately because, you know, Christmas was going to cut. First of all, I had an awful lot of fun making it the first year. Second of all, Christmas was going to come around the very next year. And so I wanted, I wanted, I wanted a new soundtrack. So I've been, uh, you know, fairly obsessed about Christmas music ever since. Do you have, do you have a fa- do you have I mean asking for favorite tracks is always hard. Do you have are there tracks that you particularly you go ahead. Yes. Oh, I'm going to tell you I'm going to tell you and uh there's a New Orleans hook in it. Namely, Irma Thomas's version of Oh Holy Night is I don't know, it's in my top 3 all-time Christmas tracks. Just so magnificent. Yeah. Yeah. That Irma Irma singing spirituals is is really pretty special. Well, and she killed it on 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 that one track too. And it's it's relatively late in her career. I think it might be ninety two or so. Uh, and uh, even so, uh, you know, I mean, I, I I feel I mean there aren't words that do it justice to me, but it's 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 some of the most soulful singing uh, I've ever heard. The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. 
when you're putting together a mix uh, for other people, do you think about how to include uh, spirituals? Um, is there a balance or, a, or an internal conversation that you go through when you're putting them in? Well, you know, very, you know, I'm, I'm sort of no respecter of genre. You know, the only thing I really care about is Christmas. Uh, and is it is it a wonderful Christmas song? So, you know, um, you know, with that said, you know, typically I'm more about Santa than I am about Jesus. Jesus. But, um, you know, if uh, it's a beautiful if it's a beautifully sung gospel song about Jesus, I'm going to put it in. So it's, it, it's not a problem for me. But, you know, you'll you know, I, my stuff is. You know, I, I tend, as I said, not to think about genre. I, I think about, you know, do I love it? Uh, that's how I work is, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, spread my arms wide and choose, you know, 30 or so tracks. And then, uh, you know, without respect to genre. And then when I, I, I try to put it together, you know, as if it were a radio show, um, um, I want the sequence to make sense. And so uh, I don't want too many songs in a row of the same genre. Uh, and I also don't want to um, uh, switch violently from kind of uh, the, the feeling of one track to another. You know, I want, I want the segues between tracks to be uh, smooth and to make sense, even if I do change genre or change, you know, the... Um, um, the errors they were recorded. So this year, you know, this year, uh, towards the very end of the um, my sequence, I replay, you know, I, I do Count Basie with Jimmy Rushing uh, performing Good Morning Blues. That was cut in 1937. And then I go to the, my second to the last track, which is always a New Year's track, a New Year's track, not a, uh, a Christmas track. And it's a group cut by um, an all-female band out of Los Angeles, known as the Mariachi Divas. And they sing uh, a, a version of, you know, the equivalent of Auld Lang Syne um, in Spanish. There's a song called El Año Viejo that's been recorded dozens and dozens of times. And uh, this version by the, uh, the Mariachi Divas, 2020. So I cut from 1937 to 2020. And I don't think there's going to be a big bump. I think it works. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you, the reason I asked. Oh, and no, no, no. And then <laughs> again, another New Orleans, another New Orleans uh, uh, thing. I always have a bonus track. The very last track is uh, devoted to my wife, the love of my life. And I am going to find a love song for her. And this year, it's Alvin Robinson doing something you got. That's 1954. Great. God damn it. <laughs> there, I tell you, the reason I was asking the question about spirituals is I, I, I approach making my Christmas Christmas mixes the same way that I, I that I, I want. I want to go around and I want to find, a, uh, you know, connections that aren't obvious and give people, here's a version of the song that you don't already know and that I think is in some level amazing. And, but I also have 
people who specifically don't particularly want to hear the spirituals, who don't really want, you know, they want to, they don't want to have, you know, because of their own relationship to, to, to faith, um, that, that they don't want to hear those songs. And, and so it's often, like in my case, I'll often end up going to, if I'm like, if I pull out like the, like a Boots Randolph Christmas record, um, then I will find like the Yakety Sax version of Silent Night or something like that. Um, and so I will often kind of go that way. But it's a question I have to think about because I realize that there are people for whom you know, that their, that their Christmas season does not necessarily involve, uh, involve Jesus. And so I kind of, I, so I have to think that thought through when I'm giving this out as a gift. And I obviously wonder how much other people think those questions. Well, look, here's what occurs to me. Number one, um, uh, I must admit that I make the CD for myself first. So I want to love everything on it. And then I hope that other folks also like it. It's not crucial. You know, having said that, um, you know, I, I do pull back sometimes, but it, it's not with regard to spiritual stuff. Really, um, uh, I think sometimes uh, if it's too, maybe too secular, too raw, uh, too punk rock, uh, you know, if it's a, you know, a fuck Christmas song, you know, there are, there are fuck Christmas songs, you know, do I really need that? I'm not, I'm not going to put that on there. And so, um, you know, uh, really, I'm just, I'm just trying to put together, you know, I was a, a radio DJ for a while when I was a kid. And, and so, you know, I, I have the same kind of thinking now about it, which is, um, can I put together a program, an hour's worth of Christmas music, and people are going to listen from the beginning to the end? What must I do to make that happen? So, Is there a song that you love that you have just, it's never quite landed, it's never felt like there's the right place for it? Uh, huh. What did I do? I lost something this year I was going to put in. And now I can't think of what. Oh, you know what? Um, uh, I can't think about it long term, but I know, you know, just this year I found uh, an EP that Joey Ramone put out. And it came out, I think, the year that he died, whenever that was. Um, early 2000s, I can't remember. And I think there are four tracks on it and three of them I'd heard before, but the, um, the fourth track was one I hadn't heard before. And, you know, I'm going to see if I can find the name of it now. It's, it, it, you know, it'll, it'll take me a second, you know, you'll have to put it back in <laughs> because, you know, I should just be able to kick it, but let me just, I, you know, let me just say that, you know, it, it's a track that I liked an awful lot. Oh, sorry. Uh, not least because it's, um, it's really some hard charge in 60s rock. And uh, lyrically, it's kind of soulful. And I had that in earlier versions of, the, of this year's sequence, and then I ended up pulling it out. So I'll probably put it in next year. I got spirit in my house, and I know it ain't no man. 
This Joey Ramone track is called Spirit in My House. Huh. Okay. And name of, the name of the EP is Christmas Spirit in My House. And, the, and the, the, the track is Spirit in My House. And I recommend it to one and all. It's a great one. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, Bill. I think we're in a good place for this. Oh, good. So, yeah. The, uh, you know, I think we could just sort of geek out on records for a long time. I love, by the way, that... Uh, you mentioned earlier the Chance and uh, Jeremy record. Uh, right. That you know there are two versions of it, right? Yeah, I do. I, you know, the second version is an expanded version of the right. first. Yeah, yeah. The Steppen song on that knocks me out. Um, that's one I, I've had on. I put on a couple of Christmas mixes. Uh, there's one I, I can't. I don't remember. I know I like that whole record uh, and. But I remember that was the track right away that just sort of knocked me out was that because uh, I'm also I'm a sucker for stepping tracks uh, that beat that group always moves me. So oh, beautiful. Well, listen, uh, you know, good for you. And you discovered the album before I did. I only discovered it this year. Um, you know, one, one thing I want to mention sure. that's unusual in this year's sequence for me. Uh, something, it's a song that I uh, the, the kind of song I'd never heard before. It's by a country artist. Guy's out of Texas. His name is Aaron Lacombe. And he made a track called Uncle Carl Came Out at Christmas. <laughs> and you know what? They don't play it for laughs. It was cut, I think, in 2019. It's beautifully written, beautifully performed, beautifully sung. And it's a serious song. Oh, wow. About, yeah, some, some, some you, know, uh, you know, Uncle Carl sitting down with the family in Red State, Texas. And having to announce, you know, this guy that, that's come to Christmas with me for the last four years, this happens to be my my lover, you know. Wow. Um, it's 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 heavy. It's really beautifully done. So. Oh, that's very cool. The table set for half of Texas on a Christmas afternoon. There'd never been so many cousins. In that tiny dining room All us kids were down on one end Making jokes while Dad said grace We said amen And Uncle Carl stood up With a strange look on his face I was just about to try the beans Aunt Cindy brought from home When Carl spilled some beans of his own Uncle Carl came out on Christmas in front of God Thanks to Bill Adler for the time and the talk. Thanks to AF the Naysayer for the theme music. Thanks to you for listening. If you haven't already done so yet, please subscribe, follow, or do what you have to do to get 12 songs in your podcast feed each week. That means you won't miss an episode, and it helps the algorithms work in our favor, which helps other people find out about what we're doing here. Also, write me at alex at myspiltmilk.com if you'd like my listeners-only 2021 Christmas mix sent to you. We've talked today a lot about Christmas music with an emphasis on hip-hop. Here's one track we didn't get to. 
Cool Modi and L.A. Sunshine were the two remaining members of the Treacherous Three that performed Santa Rap with a young Doug E. Fresh in the movie Beat Street in 1984. We'll go out with a little of Santa Rap. Talk to you next week. Open up your door. I'm Santa Claus, and guess what, y'all? I got something to show. I came to bring some Christmas spirit. I got a big bag, now guess what's in it? Something for the rich, something for the poor. So Merry Christmas and ho, ho, ho. Ho, 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 Merry Christmas, my foot. I'ma tell you what Santa really put under my so-called tree, but in reality, look like nothing but a decorated pole to me. Man, you talk about a tree, it makes me wonder, cause I never had a tree to put anything under. If I ever did look up and get a tree, there was never anything under it for me. Man, I don't know what y'all talking about, cause when I come to your town, I just get chased out. I thought you would be happy to see Santa Claus, but all you'll say is stick him up and give me your. You're lucky all you did was get ripped off, and it's time to keep your big fat ass up north, because after my last few Christmas nights, if I see you around my neighborhood, I'm shooting on sight, and I ain't even got a chimney for you to come down, so ain't no